You're listening to the sermon audio from the Shore Church located in North Vancouver. For more information about the Shore, upcoming events, or to donate, you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca. Well, please rise as uh, we read the scripture. All right, let's read God's word. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 15. The cheerful giver. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God gives a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. He will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God by their approval of the service they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. This is the word of God. Great, you may be seated. Uh, So great to have you all here with us. Again, my name is Jer. It's so good to be with you. If I've not met you, please come and talk to me afterwards. It'd be great to to meet you face to face. And uh, my wife cleared my board completely here. Here we go. Awesome. Well, thank you, Des, for reading that uh, scripture. We we are in uh, the the final uh, the final stage of our discipleship series. We've been going through this about ten weeks now, and this is the last one. We've worked with who God is, what all of His attributes, His glory, uh, the assurance of our salvation, prayer, Bible, fellowship, witnessing, temptation, obedience, and then now this is a, again just a flow out of from that direction all the way out into practical ways to live out our faith. And so that's what we're here talking about giving today. This will not be the last time we're going to be talking about discipleship, though. Discipleship happens continuously through the Word of God. And so we want to make sure that we continue to come back to this core value of ours here at the Shore Church. And so uh, would you bow with me in prayer as we get started and kind of jump into this text? Uh, Jesus, I thank you so much for your amazing grace. It, 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 is, it is just that. It is amazing to really slow down and kind of think about what took place thousands of years ago here on this planet that you entered into your story as a baby and then soon became a man and paid for the penalty of our sin and rose again, giving us great hope and victory over our sin and death. Jesus, it is amazing grace. We do not deserve this. We we deserve something far worse than your love, 
and yet you give it so freely. Thank you, Jesus, uh, for this season. Thank you for this text. And I pray, Lord, that you'll use me despite me, that you'll, you'll help us and you soften our hearts now to what you are saying to us in this action of giving cheerfully. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, giving is, uh, this is the, the concept of what give is the last form of discipleship. Uh, but giving has talked a lot about scripture. And we want to be faithful to what God talks a lot about. And so that's why we're, I added this into our discipleship series. But let me start with the big idea for today, all right? So the big idea, and we're going to flow out of this big idea. And I've got a little diagram for you. If you weren't here last week, we had the whole whiteboard thing. It was a lot of fun for me. Uh, but I've got a diagram for us as well. But the big idea is this. And it's right over our text that Desiree read for us in 2 Corinthians 9. It says, God has given an inexpressible gift. And that inexpressible gift is his son. And out of his faithful giving, we too are to cheerfully give. Giving he loves. All right, so that's our big idea. And here's the, here's the diagram that I want to show you. I use this often in counseling, in relationships, uh, whether it be one-on-one relationships or a marital relationship or whatever. It just, it works really well. It is essentially the diagram of the first commandment vertically, God loves us, and the second commandment to love others. This is why it says on the bottom of that is, this is our calling to love our neighbor as ourself. And so that first one, that, that, that perfect through God the Son, that, that love that God passes through the cross, that's why I put the cross there, because that vertical relationship is God bestowing his love upon us through his Son, which I prayed, his life, death, and resurrection. And then he seals us with his Holy Spirit. And it's grace alone, faith alone, by Jesus alone, by God's word alone, by God's glory alone that we are saved. And that's Ephesians 1, 3. That's every heavenly spiritual blessing is ours. And we've done nothing for it. That's that big green arrow coming down. And then that same arrow, that same vertical arrow is now bestowed on others. We, our love for others ought to exemplify what we've been loved by and how we've been loved by Jesus Christ. And so the love of God the Father to us, we ought to show now to one another. And so this is the big idea, and it flows out of giving as well. And this is the action of giving. As we receive all the things, the blessings from the Lord, now we are to give likewise. And so keep that diagram in the back of your head. But last week we talked about obedience, and then and the action of giving is really a carryover from last week because it is a practical way we can express our faith. And this is the next diagram. I'm going to give you a little really quick one. This is, and there's a lot of maybe artistic people here. You can help me out with my diagrams, all right? Uh, so we've got the Bible on the bottom, moving in a direction to faith. That's where faith comes by hearing, hearing the word preached. And so our faith develops into obedience, and then obedience come out fruit, and it, comes, it just continues around the Christ-centered life. And that's what we talked about last time, and that's what this is a continuation of that. It's a living out what we have been called to, living out of what God has loved us through that vertical relationship. But in order to get anywhere when it talks about giving, and to get anywhere, we need to go back to what we have and the things that we've been given, and also understand that everything that we own 
is actually a gift. Like in order to be a faithful giver, you got to realize that everything that we have, and that's where grace comes in, everything that we have has been a gift. And I want to take it down, I, I can't remember if I've shared this with you as a church before, but just think about, there is one thing, one thing that you own outrightly that was never gifted to you. Like everything that you have, your life, your breath, the love that you have for others has been gifted to you to go now and go use. You've been purchased with a price. That price is Jesus Christ's blood shed on the cross. Everything you have has been gifted to you except one thing, your sin. Your sin is the only thing that you own outrightly. And think about this. Think about the great story of the scriptures. Jesus is coming to pay and take your sin. The one thing that you own outrightly that you will have to pay for, he's going, give it to me. I want to pay for it. The one thing. What a great gift. The giver of gifts is going to go farther than just giving gifts, but he's going to take away the very thing that will take you eternally out. This is where we need to start. We need to start with the gospel. We need to understand the gospel, the good news that Jesus gives us everything and the very one thing that he, we have on our own is our sin, our rebellion against him, the great giver of gifts. And he's going, now you give this to me. I will pay for it. And if you don't give it to me, then you will be judged eternally based on that thing you own. If you give it to me, it is paid for. So the outline for this morning is four points. The ways of giving out of the t- context of the, or the scripture that was read for us already in 2 Corinthians 9. We see this in 6 and 7. Trust leads to obedience. We see this in verse 8. In the supplier of all, we see this in verse 10 through 12. And then application is 9 and 13 through 15. And I want to trust you a little bit as you trust me as we study through this together. I want to trust you a little bit with the context, the greater context. So I want to stick with these things, and then I want to trust you to do a little bit of homework on your own to actually see what I'm preaching is actually in the Word of God. So ways of giving. Let's look at that first. Ways of giving. In verses 6 and 7, we see this again. And we see Paul going, the point is this. And if you have your Bible, please turn to it. It's so good to just see this for yourself. The point is this. And if, if Paul is starting with this, man, we got to perk up a little bit, right? Like our ears ought to open up when he starts with the point is this. And he continues and he says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We see this, right? And I've highlighted some words there. We see that there's five ways of giving. There's five ways of giving. It's really easy to see on the screen because I've highlighted it, right? We see there are sets and there are actually grouped into sets of two. Sparingly and bountifully is one set of two. 
The other set of two is reluctantly and under compulsion. And then there's one that stands out, cheerfully. And it stands out because cheerfully, God loves it. All right? So these five things you can underline in your Bible, but one of them, like I said, cheerfully sticks out. It's the main point. And so let's read through this text again, but make it personal. All right? So I've got it on the screen. It says this. The point is this. Give as you have decided in your heart, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And you can match this main point, this cheerfulness of giving, you can match this main point with other subset twos, right? The, the sparingly and bountifully, you can match that against cheerfulness, and you can match reluctance and under compulsion as well. So let's start, let's start with sparingly and bountifully for a second, compared to cheerfully. So God is not looking at the physical amount, right? God is not looking at the physical amount. We see this actually in Scripture all over the place because the Bible does talk about giving much. And the one thing that popped up to my mind as I was studying this text is the story in Luke 21. It's on the screen. It's about the widow that gave two copper coins. Maybe you've heard this before. But let's read it. It says in verses 1 through 4 of Luke 21, it says, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Like her faith in God was shown through obedient action. Going back to that diagram, my out of the river of life, faith comes, and out of faith, obedience, and out of obedience, fruit. And it continues to go in the cycle of wisdom, the cycle of God's kingdom. Like her faith in God was shown through obedient action. She trusted in the Lord's attributes when we go back to the beginning of this sermon series that He's faithful, that He's loving, that He's all knowing. And she believed it within her heart and gave all that she owned. So who is actually giving bountifully here? Well, the widow is. And we know this because we talked about it last week. And it is our hearts that will be judged. And again, we see this in 2 Corinthians 9. Right in the text, it says, determine how to give from the heart. See, our actions might look cheap and meaningless to others, but the heart's motivation behind that action might be something the Lord sees and will hold for eternity because the heart's motivation is tied to faith in Jesus, like the river of life, the scripture. When we believe in this, believe in the attributes of God that we hear and we see and we read in this scripture, how does your heart's motivation turn towards that? See, so what this text is saying is that your gift is not judged on the amount given. Now hear me on this. It's not judged on the amount given. But what you truly, from a heart level, are giving to. Okay, I want to say this one more time, then I want to explain it a little bit. So what this text is saying is that your gift is not judged on the amount given, but what you truly, from a heart level, are giving to. Okay, so let me explain it this way. The size of the investment Okay, so we all can picture an investment. The size of the investment determines the size of the return. 
And we see this in the scripture. Sow sparingly, reap sparingly. Sow bountifully, reap bountifully. The size of the investment determines the amount of return. Now think of owning a house and then match it against a trailer. Right now, kind of average houses are a couple million dollars. A trailer, maybe 30,000. The investment in the, in, in the, the match of the trailer, the investment return will be greater with a greater property value. With a greater property value, you will get a greater return. So now think, now you've got a house, you've got a trailer, now think of the eternal kingdom of God the eternal kingdom of God. Your investment in his kingdom far outweighs any investment here on this earth. Would you agree? Every investment in the eternal kingdom far outweighs any investment here. See, Paul is trying to manipulate, isn't trying to manipulate us to give more in this text. And this sometimes is how we read the text. He is teaching us that the investment of your skills, talents, finances in the kingdom of God will be the best and biggest return. Giving to the church then turns from a duty to a delight, a realization that you are giving to an eternal cause for eternal gains. Your giving turns from that, what do I get out of my tithe to the church to how can I invest in what God is doing to his, in his church? It turns from looking at the harvest to following what Jesus has done for us, going back to that vertical diagram and horizontal diagram. See, going back to this, looking at what God has done for me and saying, I get to do to others as God has done for me, What an invitation. What a delight in my heart. So now look at, this is, that's sparingly and bountifully. Now look at reluctantly and under compulsion. See, reluctantly is living under the law of another. This is reluctance giving, living under maybe a law that you've placed yourself on or living under a law that, of another. Or to please another is under compulsion. See, both being a form of slavery and worship of the self-kingdom. See, reluctant giving is having your focus on the temporary losses rather than the eternal gain. So I become reluctant in my giving. I'm looking more at the losses that I lose, right? It's a form of worldly sorrow, which we see in Corinthians as well. It's a form of worldly sorrow. Your eyes are more focused on your bank account and the things you cannot purchase rather than the ministry the Lord has in store for you. So you become a dried out, desert shrub rather than a fruitful tree tied into the river of life. And we all get tempted to give reluctantly, don't we? I know I have. Can we be honest? Like I have thought thoughts and actually verbalized them at times saying, man, if I, if I didn't give to the church I could put this money towards something that we actually need. Forgetting that God gives you everything you need. Completely forgetting about it. Because of a reluctance in my heart. And man, by God's grace, he revealed this heart issue to me at a younger age. And I I repented of that and confessed it to him. 
Not being like the widow, remembering the attributes of God that he's the giver of good gifts. See, Judas was a prime example of this. We see this in John 12, 5, and 6 when Judas was walking with Jesus. He was in control of the money bag for the disciples and they were traveled to city to city and teaching about the kingdom of God. And in John 12, 5 through 6, it says this. Judas says, why was this ointment? See, this is Mary broke a jar of expensive perfume. Like there's no lids back then. It was like a sealed jar. The only way to get this perfume out is you had to crack the jar. And then you got to use all of what, it was, what was ever in there. So you, she uses it to wash Jesus' feet. And Judas goes, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Sounds good, right? But Jesus knew his heart. He was giving reluctantly because he said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. There was a reluctancy. There was a worldly sorrow. He saw the lack of gain for himself and didn't see the eternal gains that were, that were before him. See, in our, at moments in our hearts, there is a reluctance in giving because we desire our kingdoms to be met rather than the kingdom of God. And there's stories like Ananias and Sapphira, which we've covered before in this discipleship series, where they sold a piece of property and a land, and they, they promised, they coveted, coveted, made a covenant to the church to say, and we're going to give the funds back. And sure enough, the Holy Spirit revealed to them that they did not, and they and the Holy Spirit took their life. See, reluctance is a serious matter. And also under compulsion is equally dangerous. Oftentimes this comes from the fear of man to please others rather than to please the Lord from a right heart, like a right motivation, motivation heart. And remember our big idea. Again, it says this, God has given an inexpressible gift, his son, out of his faithful giving, we too are to cheerfully give. Not under compulsion, but cheerfully give. Giving he loves. So you were to give not under compulsion, but freely from your heart, realizing that it's him. Like I talked about last week in, in our obedience series, talking about like, you know what, or maybe it was a couple weeks ago, I can't even remember, but just coming to my mind right now, like the, the, that nine to five, is, is it really worth it? Like what I'm doing, am I, am I building into the kingdom of heaven or am I building into my kingdom? And is it under a compulsion that I'm doing these things rather than actually living for the Lord and building up his kingdom's sake? And so thinking up, when I wake up in the morning, am, am I gonna rightly live for the kingdom of God? And the things that he has for me today to maybe seek out my neighbor or my friend because, you know, they're headed for somewhere else. They're headed for hell. They're headed for destination outside of the kingdom of God. And I need to change my heart and ask the Lord to move me from compulsory giving to a freely, cheerful giving. See, Psalm 147, 11 says, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. He takes pleasure in it. God loves the cheerful giver. He takes pleasure in them. This is cheerful giving, the hope that is rested in the eternal kingdom. This is where we want to cheerfully place our treasure. 
Not like the Pharisee that gave in such a way that all would notice, but give in such a way that God would see your faithfulness to him. And friends, I'm speaking to myself in this. So we have five ways of giving. Five ways of giving. One stands out, and that is being cheerful in it. So it leads us to our second point. Trust leads to obedience in verse 8. You can see it in, in the text. It says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you. We're going to see it all over and over again here in the text, right? We need to, it needs to pop out to you, so that's why I did it on the screen. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in all or every good work. All grace all sufficiency, all things, all times, every good work. See, let's look at these backwards for a second and look at them in a way of a, com- a conversation between us and God, okay? This is, this is kind of fun for me when I was in my office wa- walking on this, working through this. So working backwards, every work, you can f- click it one more time there, Brady. You can see it on the b- bottom there. So we're gonna work our way up through those things, all right? And God's going to start the conversation. He says, do, to do good works, the good works are to share what you have and tell the gospel to all nations. And through this discipleship series, we've seen this, right? The great commission that we've been given to go out to all the nations proclaiming God's kingdom. Do good works. Share what you have and tell the gospel to all nations. We ask, when? God answers, at all times. We ask, how can we do this? God answers, I've given you all things. We say, but I'm not good enough. God answers, I've given you all sufficiency to do the works I have set before you. But we say, I don't have the right tools. But God says, all grace is yours that you might abound in everything. So good. And as I was doing this, I was reminded of the the conversation that Moses had with God when God commanded him to take his people out of Egypt. And it was a very similar conversation. God commands, lead my people out of Egypt. And Moses answers, I don't speak well. That was supposed to be kind of funny, but whatever. God says, I'll be your voice. Moses says, send someone else. God answers, I'll give you what you need. Moses says, I'm not good enough. God says, I am calling you to this. Trust me. Trust him. Do good works. He will supply you with the grace you need to be sufficient to do all things and at all times. Paul is reminding the church and us thousands of years later to give faithfully and cheerfully as God has done for us. Trust him. It leads to obedience. He is, and this is our third point, he is the supplier of all. So we have five ways of giving. One that stands out and this trusting him leads to obedience. And look at this, he is the supplier of all. Look at verses 10 through 12. 
He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. See, it's important to recognize the context of this passage. And what is happening here? And this is where the context is important because we need to ask, why is Paul giving this reminder to the Corinthian church? And the context of this passage is the church giving to the saints out of the abundance of what God has given them. This is the context. The context is like Paul reminding them that they have promised a gift to the elders and the pastors, the the ones that are proclaiming the good news of Jesus, and they promised this gift to them to, to take care of their needs so they can spend more time in the word, more time in prayer. And Paul is going, you promised this gift, you need to give it to them. You need to give it to them. And in your giving, you will be gifted. Hear this. In your giving, you're going to be gifted. It's going to grow a thanksgiving to God. And we see this in this. this. Paul is reminding us of the main point. God is the faithful giver. God gave cheerfully. God gave with rich abundance. And we are to do the same. This is why Paul is reminding them. In Psalm 84, 11, it says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So he supplies. God is the supplier. He supplies the seed. He supplies the bread. He multiplies the harvest. He promises enrichment in every way. And we see it right there in the text. He supplies everything. Even the message that you're to proclaim, he gives it to you. He gives it to you. Really, all we're doing is repeating what he has said. The seed, the bread, and and then he multiplies it. So sweet. Like, think about this. He supplies all these things, and then he gifts you on top of his supply. Like, no one here gives like that. He gifts you on top of his supply. He says, he, it says it right there in the text. He increases the harvest of your righteousness. He blesses you in every way. He gives you a thankful heart towards others. He gives you a desire to serve others' needs. And he gives, you, he gives you a thankful heart towards God. Church, Paul isn't telling us anything different here than the scriptures have already proclaimed to us. And I'm not sure if this is any, like sparking something in your minds or your hearts of a, maybe another story in the scripture. But man, when I was reading through this and studying it, it sure sparked one in mine. There's a little minor prophet called Malachi, spelled Malachi, all right? Chapter 3, verses 6 through 12, and we're going to read it together. It's the, and I've said this over and over as I've discipled people. Guess what? This is one story telling one about one person, and he is your Savior. And the cool thing is God tells you in different ways the same thing. And he's in this passage in Malachi, he's saying the same thing as Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 9. Take a listen. He goes to the people that are forgetting to give the gifts. He says to them, For I, the Lord, do not ch- change. Amen to that. 
Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the day, there's the grace, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes, my commands, and have not kept them. And graciously, he goes, return to me, and I will return to you. But you say, how shall we return? Here's the conversation. Will man rob God? And then God says, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And God says, in your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in the house. And don't miss this. I didn't want you to miss this. That's why I highlighted it. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, the supplier of all, the one the widow trusted with all of her savings, I trust him. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Thanksgiving to God. It's saying the same thing as our 2 Corinthians 9 passage. All this blessing comes when we put our treasure cheerfully in the hands of God. Friends, God increases the harvest of your righteousness. God is the supplier of all. God blesses you in every way. God is the supplier of all. God gives you a thankful heart towards others. God is the supplier of all. All right? God gives you a desire to serve others' needs. God is the supplier of all. You're getting it. God gives you a thankful heart towards God. Amen, right? He gives us everything. We not need to worry ever. That's why he says, don't be anxious. The Lord is at hand. Don't worry about these things. Don't I, don't I, don't I cover the flowers in the field? Don't I, don't I water the grass with the dew? And you're worrying about the things of this world? I've got you. And I'll give you more abundantly. Test me on this. Test me. He is the supplier of all. So out of the heart we give cheerfully. We give cheerfully because he is the supplier of all. We trust and trusting him leads to obedience. And God is the supplier of all. And now the application. Now the application. John Bloom, an author, writes it this way. He says, God's grace produces joy. And I love pictures, so just picture with me. Start with joy. God, God's grace, so here's grace, it produces joy, which then produces generosity, which then produces joyful thanksgiving and praise all the way back to God. So this is God's wonderful kingdom economy where the true riches of grace and joy are the returns on the investment of generous giving to meet the needs of others. So when you give the need, give the, the benefits, the investment, the needs for others, you, you increase your joy. God will increase your joy. He increases your righteousness. He builds the harvest. It's so sweet. 
It's so sweet. So like I said at the start, I leave you with reading through chapter 8 and chapter 9 for a little bit of homework to see what I'm saying here. And this is the, just, the, it's the church reminding, Paul reminding the church to go, give the gifts to the elders. Give the gifts to the pastor, the ones that are spending their time praying and reading the scriptures and, and ministering to the body. And this is what we're going to talk about, these four things, these four things that, that are take home for today. And the first one is give to the saints. Give cheerfully to the saints that are serving the church out of reverence for God. And we see this in verse 13. It says this, by their approval of this service. So when you read the whole context, you'll, you'll understand this a bit more. So please do read through that. It says, by their approval of this service, which is the gifts to the saints. They, the saints, will glorify God because of your submission. That comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. So when you sheep are confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This is Paul saying to the church, when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the ones that are preaching and teaching give glory to God. They praise, they, they rejoice because your hearts are softened into the kingdom of God. Not only that, the submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contributions for them and for all others. So it not only helps them continue to do what they, they have been called to do, but also it blesses others. This is the whole context of this passage. So your gifts bless the saints and you the saints then minister to. See, as your lead pastor, you've been so faithful in this church. And I, I just want to come out and just say thank you. You've given me opportunities to read and study and memorize the word of God that I might be able to pour into other people and bless them with the gospel and also encourage you through the week to go out, to train you up, to disciple you, that you might be able to go out and do the same. This is the church. Then we might be encouraged on Sunday mornings to be challenged by the word of God and go, oh my goodness, I need to change. There's so much in me that still is reluctant. There's so much in me that is still, I'm doing things under compulsion. There's so much in me that really believes that, you know, it's the gift, the amount of the gift that I give, but it's actually my heart that I need to change. And so by God's grace, you have given me as your lead pastor, and Linda and Hallie, the staff of this church, to go out and to, to train and to, tr to learn and to be guided by the word of God that we might be able to disciple others and others might be blessed. So thank you. To spend time praying for you and others that you might be blessed. To, to, to come to the throne room of God and just thank God Thank the Lord for you. That the righteousness might be more bestowed upon you. The return eternally. The investment is good. And the giving to the saints produces an eternal return on your gift. Secondly, Paul is reminding us to do this cheerfully. It says that right in verse 7. Give cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Why does God love a cheerful giver? You ever ask that question? Like why, like, 
maybe because they're happy, like when they, they're happy when they give something over, maybe, maybe they have enough, or they, there's just joy in them when they give something. I've met those people. But why does God love them? And I started with the gospel. God loves us, has given us everything. Every spiritual heavenly blessing is ours. Through God the Father, through the Son, Jesus Christ, through the sealed Holy Spirit. And he goes, I am a cheerful giver. You now go and do likewise. Why does he love the cheerful giver? Because it images him. It images him. That's why. God loves the cheerful giver because you are image bearers of him. You're bearing his image when out of the rightful heart you give to your friends and your neighbors and your family and the church. So give to the saints, give cheerfully. And thirdly, Paul is also reminding us to give because what we have is not ours. It is the first, it is first the Lord's and we see that in Psalm 24, 1 where the Lord, is, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. All is his. All is his. So we, we get to faithfully give back to what he has already given us. And fourthly, giving will pr- produce in you thanksgiving to God. And we see this in verse 11 of 2 Corinthians 9. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Giving produces a joy. And when you practice the discipline and obedience step of cheerfully giving, you produce thanksgiving from others inside and outside the church towards God. Your giving is a testimony of your faith. It's a testimony of your, of your proclamation of the gospel. Because you realize that God has given you everything vertically and now you give horizontally to others. Believing that this is eternal. And this has eternal gains. Again, the big idea for today, and we'll close with this. God has given an inexpressible gift, his son. And out of his faithful giving, we too are to cheerfully give. Giving he loves. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much. You are the gift. You are the gift. We have nothing without you. There's many in this world that believe they have something. There's many in this world that believe that uh, they're okay without you, that they can pay for their sin penalty on their own. Lord, would you transform their heart? Would you help us see those individuals and, and proclaim the truth to them that they might be changed, that you, Holy Spirit, will change their hearts and help them understand that you are the gift that they need. And I pray, Lord, that that you will help us be conduits of your amazing grace, and that we will see your gifts to us more readily, that we, we will, in this season of Christmas, you are the gift. You've come that we might have life. Why? Because you've taken our sin penalty of death. So help us, Lord, confess you all over again 
Help us believe and trust in you and surrender our lives to you. And may we be conduits of your grace towards others. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.